Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. All right. Welcome back to another episode of Managing Expectations. I'm Tom Bogart. After a nice little stretch of doing it weekly once again, you know, I had to go a few weeks without it to keep you on your toes. Don't get complacent out there. You know, that's, uh, that, that's the advice I'd give you. Anyway, I do truly aim to be much more regular going forward, and hopefully you guys can depend on it a little bit more if you make it part of your routine. And I appreciate everybody who's listening. Hey, maybe there'll even be some news on this front uh, at some point in the next few weeks. Um, you know, honestly hoping that maybe an MLS GM can scoop this to perhaps get back at me for any time I've, I've ruined their planning on a piece of news. I think what's fair is fair. I wouldn't blame them. I wouldn't be upset. Anyway, enough of a prelude, even though I did recently have a disagreement with my girlfriend about preludes. She said she doesn't read them in, in books. I correctly said that I do. Argued pretty vehemently on, on that behalf, um, and she put it to a poll and lost. Um, are you guys starting to think about how lucky she is from, from that little anecdote? Um, anyway, it's just going to be me today. Off the top, I'm going to dive into the Luchi Gonzalez, the San Jose Earthquakes news. Um, and then I know it's a little late, but I wanted to kind of really get into the transfer window now that the dust has settled a few weeks. Um, maybe that's a convenient rationalization for me to spin it because I was in Denver a few weeks ago ahead of the, the transfer deadline. Then I was in Minnesota last week. So, so, you know, it's been busy. Uh, real quickly, though, um, Minnesota for the All-Star game, it, it was a lot of fun. Thank you to everybody who said hello, everybody I talked to, and everybody I've interacted with, either in person or, or online. Um, this community, I, I think, is, is really strong for all the times I joke on Twitter about people being mean. But, you know, Twitter's Twitter, and that's how it's going to be. So, truly, from the bottom of my heart, thank you to everybody who interacted with these tweets, listened to this podcast, or I met in person. Um, and, and one more thing, if you're listening to this just go to talismancaps.com. Um, I'm, if you're listening to this, you probably know who they are because they tweet about them a lot and because they do some really great stuff. But they're located in Minnesota, so it was really cool to go out there and you know be in the real-life store after looking and buying so many things online, getting to meet Dustin and Bethany. Um, they're, they're really good people. Um, again, this isn't, this isn't an ad. I don't think anybody cares enough to advertise with me. Uh, this is just, look, support good people who are doing dope things. Um, I think that's a good rule in life. All right, so we're going to talk Lucci, we're going to talk transfer window, and uh, off we go. All right, Lucci Gonzalez to the San Jose Earthquakes. Uh, Lucci, the former FC Dallas manager and current U.S. national team assistant, um, has agreed a deal to become the next manager of the club, um, according to sources. Uh, I broke this news on, on Tuesday. Um, depending on when you're listening to it, it'll probably have been announced already. My expectation is it's going to be announced soon. Uh, but at time of recording, it's still per sources. Um Lucci will join the club kind of officially. I don't know how they're going to phrase it, but he'll really take over after the World Cup. He's going to remain an assistant with the national team. Until then, you know, obviously the Quakes would love it if he started today. But obviously Lucci, after being eight months with the national team, would love to stick to the World Cup. This reminds me of, of when Austin hired Josh Wolf and he remained with the national team, I think, for another six months or whatever before the offseason preceding um, Austin's expansions here. Uh, so, yeah. Lucci, Lucci has been the top target since they um, parted ways with Matias Almeida in April. Um, and like I said, San Jose w- would have loved for him to have taken over then, taken over now when, when the deal was reached and done. But again, Lucci took over with the national team in December, I believe, of last year um, and helped 
was on the staff as they qualified for the World Cup, is helping prepare for the World Cup. He was at FC Dallas for San Jose Earthquakes this weekend. Coincidence, perhaps, um, to scout for the national team ostensibly. Um, and so he's going to stick around through the World Cup. The San Jose Earthquakes wanted him for his, his youth development. His really, he had a really strong history with that with FC Dallas. Um, and before he was the first team manager of Dallas, he was the academy manager and, and hugely respected at, again, one of the best academies in the league. He did really well with the young players. He made the playoffs twice in a row, uh, but in that third season, they didn't take a step forward. Seemingly, they, they took kind of a big step back, in, in both in terms of aesthetics and results. So, you know, towards the end of that third season, he was let go, um, and the club has had since hired Nico Estevez this offseason. Um, but all that being said, that Lucci's kind of a, a different guy than he was then. He's he's learned a lot uh, for over the last year from, from what I've been told. Look, that was his first senior first team job. I don't even believe he was an assistant on any staffs. He had been working as an academy manager, as an academy head coach, but there are just things that you learn that when you're on a staff that, that are different. And, you know, from being with the national team with Burhalter, from everything else that he's done kind of over the year, like, I, you know, I know that he's, I'm sure that he's reflected and, and talked to people and everything like that. I think that we're going to see same principles or similar principles, but it, it's going to be it's going to be a different guy than, than the one that we saw in, in Dallas. Um, but again, there's, there are a lot of things that San Jose liked from the time in Dallas. And, and San Jose wants to model, I guess, a little bit off of what Dallas is, I guess, in terms of youth development and, and that academy. Um, San Jose have Cade Cal, Cruz Medina, and Nico Sicaris as, as their kind of top talents are in the first team right now. They have Mexican Youth International, Emi Ochoa. They, have, they continue to place multiple guys every single camp it seems like with with u.s youth national teams with mexico youth national teams like they're pretty quietly becoming one of the top academies in the league um and and they want to capitalize on that they want chris leach has been saying that since the day he took over is that we want to build this pathway we want to expand this like we think that we have so much untapped potential with the talent in this market you know then who better to to hire than luchi gonzalez on that on that front um and look i do want to point out that matias almeida for all of his faults and for it not working out in San Jose, one of the things he was really good at was youth development. Again, maybe tactically it, w- it wasn't the best for him. Maybe if you're a center back, it's not the greatest thing. But like he, he gave chances to young players. He always did, not just in San Jose, but at Chivas and in Argentina, um, anywhere else he's been. And now he's in he's in Greece. He's always been. He was always good at giving them chances and, and trying to do right by them. Like his his man management was really really good. Again, the tactics were really stubborn and really bad. After you know a couple of seasons, it got really old really quickly. But he did really well with youth development. So the idea is to kind of take a step forward here with, with, with Lucci. And again, this is his going to be his second managerial job. Like you grow and you learn. Um, but I think that there's just going to be some different about him. Like if I had to assume what the tactics are going to be or, or what the identity is going to be, similar to, to Burhalter in the national team, similar to what Nico Estevez is doing in Dallas. Nico Estevez in Dallas is probably a better example just because of, of the rigors that come with MLS rather than just the national team and, and the talent pool there within and, and the schedule. Look, every coach is different. Every coach has their own tweaks. Every coach has their own philosophies. Everyone has their own tenets. You, you want the best coaches are able to mold and tweak a little bit what they're doing to benefit and highlight their best players. So again, it's not going to be the same thing, but stylistically, if, if we were kind of grouping them together, Something like something like Dallas, something like Austin, something like the national team, which again, this is all from the Burhalter coaching tree, which is starting to expand a little bit more. Like Josh Wolf is having really good success with Austin FC this year. They're second in the Western Conference. Um, Dallas, I think, have been really, really good this year. If if they were able to see out there was that stretch earlier in the summer where I think they blew the lead and dropped points in 
I don't know, like six or seven games in a row. It felt like if they were able to kind of bring down even half of those results, this team would be right aligned with, with Austin. They'd be really separating behind LAFC in that kind of top grouping in the West. And, you know, they still can and, and still might, honestly. But, like, these are these are coaches from from the Greg Berhalter tree and, and from the national team tree. Um, I think that San Jose might get some of the similar benefits that Dallas got in terms of Paul Areola ends up with Dallas. Sebastian Legette ends up with Dallas. Marco Farfan ends up with Dallas. Like some, um, obviously you got Pax and Pomico and other Jesus Ferrer, other national team players, but particularly with Ariel and Legette, I was talking to um, a sporting director at a different club who were interested in both of those players and said, you know, I'm why bother going for any U.S. national team pool players because they're just going to get pushed to Dallas because it's good for their national team career. It's good for everything. It's like, you know, why, why would we even bother trying to sign them anymore? Just kind of in, in frustration. So I think that, San Jose will probably benefit a little bit from that. Like Jeremy Bobasi will probably benefit from this. I think these are, these are all things that, that are, are going to be helpful and good. You know, I, I do, I, I like the hire. I know that it's getting some criticism because of Chris Leach's previous relationship with Lucci Gonzalez and the idea that, you know, I've been reporting since April that Lucci was probably their top target and, and it seemed likely that this was going to happen. So I, I think maybe because there's not a surprise or maybe because people think this was decided a while ago that, there's some criticism or, or maybe people are a little underwhelmed or maybe people who are Quakes fans are, are afraid that this will, won't signal a change in spending or, or whatever it is. Like, I think that this was a, a really, really strong option for this team, for this club, what they want to be. I think for Lucci, it, it's good. It'll be, I guess, familiar to Dallas, both, both in good and bad in terms of he didn't get the $7 million that Nico got to sign Alan Velasco. He didn't get the, you know, 2 million gam that they got to get Paul Ariola. So they were, they were a smaller spending team in Dallas when he was there. And San Jose have been one of the smaller spending teams in the league, but they're going to have a lot of academy. It, 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 a lot of academy talent coming through the first team. It should come with a decent amount of patience. Like I think everyone can realize that this team isn't an MLS cup contender right now. Obviously they're very far down in the Western conference, but I don't know how quickly it'll turn around. I think that he'll get, a bit of a leash. I think these young players crucially will get a bit of a leash in terms of playing and developing. So I really love all of that. Um, Lucci had to decide if this move was right for him. There is an argument to be made that he could have continued being an assistant somewhere, either if Berhalter stays to the national team through the world cup or he, or um, Lucci could go to another, any other MLS club would, would love to have him as an assistant. I'm certain. Or maybe if Berhalter takes another job, you, you stay as his top assistant, wherever he goes, whether it's Europe, whether it's MLS or, or whatever. So, I think there, there's a real argument to be made if this was the right move. But look, he he was – it'd be difficult to go from MLS manager, US top, top U.S. assistant or, or whatever kind of his job title is. He had an interview with a Belgian club um, at some point before joining U.S. soccer. It'd be a little weird for a, a person of that profile to say, you know what? No, I want to go be FC Dallas's assistant or I want to go be – insert any other club, you know, particularly when you have offers. He interviewed for Houston. He interviewed for, for other um, vacancies over the off Cincinnati. Um, I believe Real Salt Lake off the top of my head. It'd be weird if a guy like that was like, you know what? Thank you for your head coaching offer. That's okay. I think that I'm not good enough for this. So I'm going to be an assistant for a couple more years. And maybe in a couple years, I'll think I'm good enough. So I'd probably do the same thing if I was him. Like I'd, I'd take this job. I'd bet on myself. I'd believe in myself. The only worry from the outside is if this doesn't work out, then what? How much different is this from Dallas? San Jose aren't a high-spending team. I'm not breaking any ground here. What if the academy kids don't take a step forward? Or even if they do, what if it doesn't result in enough results? I'm sorry for a pun or using the same word a few times there. You know, if in two years down the line, 
what if he hasn't grown from Dallas? Or what, what if the results aren't there both philosophically and, and literally? What's the third job? If, if you're a team that's considering hiring him, does, does that mean that he goes back to an academy director? Which, again, he could be an academy director anywhere in the country. I, I guarantee it that, that he, you know, he's, that's his reputation in terms of youth development. Then, then he could be an assistant, I'm, I'm sure, anywhere else. But obviously, these, these guys are ultra competitive. Obviously, you want to be a manager. That's your goal. So I think my only worry is if this doesn't work out, I fear for kind of what's next. But look, there's no reason to sit here and, and be pessimistic or whatever. Again, I, I was just offering the other side of this. I do think that it's, it's a good hire. I think that they're very good fit stylistically. There's some managers that, that work best with kind of the, the, the clubs and the ethos. And I think that this one is, is going to be a really good fit both ways. Who knows if, if it'll turn out that way. But um, again, Luchi Gonzalez, San Jose Earthquakes, that's um, one coaching vacancy filled. I'm sure that more are going to, you know, open and close. Like FC, um, DC United obviously already hired Wayne Rooney. Every year there there seems to be more and more managerial changes. Um, it's pretty wild that I think Adrian Heath is like the fifth or sixth longest tenured head coach at, at an MLS club right now. And, and he's been at Minnesota for five years, which apparently is an eternity in, 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 in global soccer and MLS. Like there's still longer leashes here for, for coaches in terms of results and, and longevity, which, you know, I generally prefer rather than just kind of firing managers every year, every other year. But um, that's a lot of words to say that maybe there aren't any obvious candidates right now. There are more than a couple obvious candidates that could move on or be fired or, or let go or whatever this off season, but there always is. So San Jose were able to move quickly and get what they believe is their top target. Because again, if, if Lucci was still available in the off season, I'm certain he'd be one of the people interviewed for, for any vacant MLS job. So look, I, I think job well done. We'll see how it goes. All right, that's Lucci to the Quakes. Um, now let's get into the transfer window that was, that closed um, almost three weeks ago now. Now the dust is settling, uh, players are getting visas, players are debuting, players are fitting. Um, I want to kind of dive into what everything looks like and, and what it means. Again, still an early stage in terms of these signings. Everybody knows that it's difficult to you know adapt to MLS, particularly midseason. So um, trying to not take away too much or, or put too much stock into kind of a few weeks here, but I think the generalities and, and the, the ideas kind of still fit. Um, just again, looking big picture or whatever, I'm just going to highlight some teams that I loved and some teams I liked some teams that I, I really, really didn't like in, in terms of their summer transfer window. Um, I'll start first. Um, I know it's boring. I know it's cliche, but I'd be out of my mind if I started anywhere else than LAFC. You know, obviously, I love what they did. Everybody does. There's, <laughs> it's going to be difficult to find a dissenting opinion that isn't just for the sake of disagreeing. This summer, they added Gareth Bale, Giorgio Chiellini, Denis Buanga, uh, Sebastian Mendez, and to make room for those signings, they moved out Danny Muzovsky, Ismael Dejoy Strade, Daniel Henry, and Francisco Ginella. Look, just absolutely insane. Just insane. You know, what do you do when you're the best team in the league coming into the summer window? Obviously, you sign two global superstars, an Ecuador international and an in-prime Gabon international who was really good in the French top light for four years. Like, yeah, sure. It's, it's, it's wild. Like, this team was very, very good at the start of the summer. I think everybody saw that. You look and and, and again, they, they re-signed Carlos Vela amid this, by the way. I know that we've all forgotten about that. We spent five months talking about it. It was a big storyline from... From day one until the summer when his contract was set to expire on June 30th. And then his contract extension gets buried by Bale Chiellini signing. And then a couple of weeks later, Buanga and, and Mendez. So 
we we looked at this team with with Carlos Vela, with Chicho Arango, and Brian Rodriguez. Who, you know, he hasn't been great, but that's, there's a lot of talent there. And then everything else that they've done and what they add in the offseason. They were very, very good come June 30th or, or whatever the dates were. This is like now looking at a historically great team after a month and a half in the transfer window or six weeks and five weeks. It's it's really wild. There was no need per se for them to do what they did, but they got infinitely better and deeper. They were already a deep team. Um, you know, I don't think that we're talking enough about Denny's Buanga as well because maybe we have fatigue. We've talked too much about Gareth Bale. We've talked too much about Chiellini. Maybe it's boring or redundant to kind of say the same things over again. Maybe it's not interesting to continue to like, there's no, there's no disagreements here. This was just a really, really good window. You can, you can have minor nuances about maybe Gareth Bale doesn't fit perfectly. Maybe you're worried about Chiellini's age, maybe this or that, but like, I don't, I think it's fairly inarguable to say that they've done really, really well. So by the time that Buanga signed, we already have fatigue about talking, saying so many nice things about LAFC and breaking it down and talking about potential lineups or whatever. We moved on to the next story. Talking about Ricky Pooch and all the other signs, Christian Mentake. But um, Buanga might be, you know, towards the end of the window there. He's gonna, he's in that top tier of, oh, they signed this guy? Like, that's interesting. He should be really good in MLS. Like, he's had at least 11 goal contributions in each of the last four seasons in Ligon. That's really good consistency and obviously a really good league. He was playing for bottom half teams. That he was playing for Saint-Antienne. This year they got relegated, so they weren't great teams, and he was still putting up numbers. He was still dangerous he's again a gabon international he played with pierre emmerich obama yang he's got this dynamic pace john thornton i interviewed him about him and he said he kind of brought up what he does pressing the fact that he can play not just on the wing but he can play through the center if they need it and that's really valuable versatility because after trading danny muzovsky they don't they don't have another true number nine behind uh chico rango i think they would have been fine because you can put bail or bella there if you want but it's just another option. It's somebody who crucially benefits those players. Bale and Vela, again, I think the, the only like you know points of, hey, devil's advocate, maybe let's just look at this. The, the only points of that for those players was they like to occupy the same place. They, they kind of do similar damage in, in the half space, cutting in on their left foot. They're not going to be you know killing you, pressing. They're not going to be doing all this. Buanga is, is you know, from what the club believe, is going to be a different dynamic, which is, again, really, really important to have different options to be able to change up versatility. Like all of this is, is really good. Two years ago, we would have been talking about this as one of the signings of the summer. Like this is a similar profile to me to Luis Araujo that signed for Atlanta United last summer. I mean, he came from Lille, so it was a bit higher in terms of pedigree. They, they had just won the league. He was playing regularly, maybe not as didn't have as many goal involvements as Buanga, but again, it was a higher level. It was a, it was a better team. That player was signed for $12 million and, and we talked correctly talked about it as a really, really big signing. Somebody who was also in his prime. Again, I don't think that we're giving Buanga enough of the same treatment. Um, the fee is, is, is about $5 million or around $5 million, give or take. Like, that's significant. They held that DP spot open for him or for a player like him. That was the idea. That was their top target. Again, I was talking to Thornton about this, and he was like, yeah, like, I'm going to be honest. This wasn't his plan. Like, he, he didn't foresee himself coming to MLS or LAFC or, or whatever. I'm certain that when they got relegated, th- there was a bunch of teams interested in France and, and elsewhere in Europe. I'm certain his idea was to stay in Europe, but he's like, you know, to his credit, when we talked to him and when we presented our project, what we thought he fit, all of these things, he was like, wow, all right, I'm in. And they were able to get the deal done. And again, this is where it's good and bad that the MLS transfer window doesn't align with the European ones. 
like the Red Bulls found this difficult when they were trying to sign a center forward from uh, the Dutch second tier is that the team thought that they could get more money if they waited closer to the European deadline. So there was nothing really that the Red Bulls could do to make that signing. For this, like LFC were like, look, we have a deadline on this deal. It's either you accept the offer for the club, player accept the offer, or that's it. So that kind of, I guess, helped them because maybe the other teams weren't exactly ready or, or whatever it is. I don't know the exact ins and outs, but I think that was just another wrinkle that came with this. Um, and, and I mentioned Mazowski and DeJoy Stradi. They were kind of two of the players who had to be moved out for these signings. I like them a lot. I, I do like Mazowski. I do like DeJoy Stradi. I think that it was it was very smart by New England to add DeJoy Stradi and, and Real Salt Lake to get Mazowski for pretty decent value, I'd say. But if you need to move them on to add Gareth Bale and Denny Bolonga, you just do that 10 out of 10 times. It's it's pretty obvious. You know, that's no shot at either of those players. But it's, you know, if, if you're running that team, you do that every time. Um, and again, I, I can't wait to see what it's like. And speaking of Bale, he's so far been like a human victory cigar. <laughs> he hasn't started yet I, off the top of my head. I believe maybe I should have had more production notes down, but we're just going on the fly here. It's nuts. I can't wait to see what he fits in from a starting line. I like, I can't wait to see what, what he does in, in kind of more extended minutes. Right now, he's coming off the bench against Real Salt Lake and just murdering dudes. He's coming off the bench in Nashville. He's getting his legs under him. Him and Chiellini just got two games off for load management. I love that. <laughs> that this, these are the luxuries you get when you have such a deep team and you have so many so many good players. So with no bail on Chiellini, they had a starting front line that had Vela, Brian Rodriguez, and, and Chico Arango or uh, Mahalo Opoku. Like, they're fine. Like this, again, and Buanga hasn't debuted yet. It's nuts. It's, it's, it's truly something. Um, and we're what? This is going to be the seventh point I'm about to make. We haven't even talked about Sebastian Mendez. He's a glorified backup for this team. He's insurance for Jose Cifuentes as well. Jose Cifuentes has a ton of interest in European clubs. Um, he's been linked with Leeds. I'm not, I don't have it 100% about, you know, if they're one of the clubs or any kind of specifics there, but wouldn't be surprised if they're one of the teams that I'd, I'd, it makes sense. Like he's somebody who would fit them really well in a perfect world for LAFC. You know, there'd be a deal agreed say for the winter or maybe waiting until the winter to agree a deal to see how he does at the world cup with Ecuador. But who knows if, if you know what the player wants and look, if there's a deal that's only on the table to do right now and it's a lot, what can you do? Think about Gianluca Busio to Venezia. Kansas city would have wanted to keep him for all of last season, but the Venezia deal was, was we're only doing this if we can get him right now. And they did. So what can you do? think that'll be an interesting one to watch uh, over the next two weeks as the European transfer windows remain open. Brian Rodriguez is another one to watch. Um, he's been linked with Club America. Um, Kelly Giannone has been all over this one. Um, and as he's been reporting, I've been told the same thing. You know, LAFC don't want to loan him. They'll only sell him and they'll only sell him if it's a substantial deal. Um, so I guess we'll see how they define substantial. But again, Club America is somebody who really wants Brian Rodriguez. Rodriguez Wants to move, and you can't blame him for, for regular playing time. Maybe he'd do better in Liga MX than, than he has done in MLS. He's clearly a super talented player, but the end product hasn't been there. Um, so, yeah, I think that those are kind of the two things to watch with LFC. And, look, even if even if Rodriguez goes, they have five players who would start for almost every other MLS team. Like Mahalo Opoku right now is like sixth on the depth chart with Rodriguez there, and that's insane. He just scored another goal on Tuesday night to beat DC United. Like, it's it's an embarrassment of riches. And Steve Trundolo, it's a champagne problem. It's a problem that all coaches want. But, you know, good luck managing the minutes. Good luck figuring out what's best. Good luck figuring uh, managing the personalities, whatever it is. There's a lot of stars there. It hasn't been a problem so far this season. He's rotated pretty pretty well. He's uh, with just Vela earlier in the year. Rodriguez has been hurt. 
and they've kind of jumbled the lineups. They've, they've kept people fresh. They've, you know, this team is cruising towards a supporter shield um, and they're, you know, going to be favorites from West Cup. I can't wait to see how it goes. Another team whose summer window that I loved, again, just like LAFC, it's it's a little boring, it's a little cliche, it's not not exactly um, an, an unearthed gem that I've thought of, uh, but it'd be stupid to not talk about them as well. Toronto FC, it was a banner summer, you know, in case you haven't heard, they signed Lorenzo Insigne, well, the deal was agreed in the winter and, and moved them and, and debuted now, uh, Federico Bernadeschi, Mark Anthony Kay, Domenico Crescito, Richie Larea, and Daniil Henry. To make room for all of those, out went Alejandro Pozuelo and a trade to Miami, Ralph Priso and a trade to Colorado, uh, Carlos Salcedo and a contract termination, and, and Jacob Schaffelberg and a loan to Nashville. Um, look, just right off the top, that's those six signings in Senior, Bernadeschi, K, Crescito, Larea, Henry. All six should be starters. In fact, five should be or could be at least elite talents at their positions. And those five have been so far. Um, Insignia and Bernadeschi have been incredible. Mark Anthony K is, is you know, I don't, maybe it's just I have a lot of Mark Anthony K stock. I thought that he was somebody that Colorado were going to keep building around. Maybe the fit wasn't right. But again, I think that he's an elite number eight in this league. Richie Larea, I think we all knew that he was a really, really good right back in this league. He's been, he hasn't missed a beat. He's been phenomenal since coming back. It's you know he, he didn't play at all essentially over since last year, and he comes back outside of the national team, of course. Um, but he comes back on loan from Nottingham Forest and has been just incredible and exactly kind of what they needed. Crescito, I'm going to be honest. I, I was I was a little concerned about his age, his profile. I thought that he might be you know a left center back in a back three, or or maybe not the perfect fit at center back in a back four, just because I was assuming with his age with the physicality and style of play in this league, that left back might be a stretch for him. He's been really good. His left foot is, is, is phenomenal. It's been really cool to watch. Like I, again, I was, my concerns were wrong to begin with. Um, I still think that there are teams will probably do more to make, to make him, you know, defend more, try to isolate him more so that he can't get out and attack as much as he can or, or play these outlet passes that he's playing really, really well. Uh, but yeah, he, he's been a really good signing and, and, Again, that was one I was I was concerned about. But going back to Mark Anthony K, like that's another one that this team really desperately needed. They needed more balance in the midfield. Like Pozuelo, I think is a perfect fit in Miami. He wasn't a good fit for what Bob Bradley wanted. So these are just moves that made sense. They bailed on on uh, Carlos Salcedo really early, which is good ambition by the club to get rid of him. Um, I guess they did whatever they could with the Everson Soteldo to get something back. But Salcedo was occupying a DP spot, which was not good. And he just straight up DP spot or no DP spot did not play well at center back for the Toronto FC. So again, being able to get out of a bad decision really quickly was really important. And it helped, you know, pave the way for Bernadeschi to be able to come. And, and I, I'm sure that it saved allocation money for, you know, some of the other signings. Um, like with Kay, well done by the front office for finding a way to make that happen. They squeezed every single last allocation dollar or value or asset to get that deal done. Like, Colorado that they were there were some talks Colorado wanted a package of around two million and Colorado understood that all right you probably can't do two million straight up in gam just because of the finances and, and where things are tied up and, and where assets are going so we'll you just get us a two million and, and we'll talk about it I didn't think that they had the physical the, the, the asset rather capability of doing that uh, Ralph Preso you value him probably what 700,000 give or take they had a million in a gam that's 
you know, 1.7, 1.8 right there. And then you get um, an international slot, which is around 250,000 for a full season. And then a first round pick which Colorado values. And that's becoming less valuable though, as Toronto continue to go up the, the table. That was such a great addition. Again, when, when I was reporting on that deal, when I was like, yeah, I'm sure Toronto are interested, but I don't know how they can really make it happen. And they did. So again, full credit to them. Um, that kind of buries the lead a little bit. We're here for Insignia and Bernadeschi. They've been awesome. They've been really good. And I think they're going to be really good for a long time. Um, Insignia, I think we all knew about him. We, you know, more so than Bernadeschi. I think, I think Insignia was definitely a bigger star in Italy, both with Napoli and so at club level and with the national team. I think that, you know, he's as stupid as it sounds. He's more popular on like FIFA. So people who maybe casually or don't at all watch the uh, Serie A, maybe they watch highlights and maybe they play FIFA. I think that, that, you know, Insignia much more than Bernadeschi. So I don't think anybody's surprised about what he looks like, but for me and Bernadeschi is not somebody that I've seen that I had seen a ton of. He wasn't playing very much with Juventus. Um, he's been incredible. And I wasn't, sure exactly what his style was going to be and how it was going to fit. His fit's been even better than I thought it was going to be. He's taken more of a, I'm going to drift in and play make kind of role, even though he is scoring goals to be sure, but kind of the way that the game states go, the way that the roles are flowing, he's dropping to be more of like the chief creator, which allows Insigne to just go out and ball, go out and be yourself. He's going to have a bunch of assists too, but he's got the license to create for himself or to, you know, be more of a, inside forward than a winger because Bernadeschi is kind of picking up a lot of the creative slack. His left foot is insane. The outside of his left foot would be um, a, a weapon if that's all he had. So um, this team has been a lot of fun to watch. I, I am still concerned about the depth, which, you know, again, that's they're in the middle of a rebuild. They're, they've accelerated the rebuild. I don't think that they should be hammered just because that their depth is, is not in line because again, they needed to squeeze out to maximize every single thing to get, all of these players out that they they lost money on or value on in terms of transactions. So they're deep, but they're not deep, and that's to be expected. That's not a surprise. So again, well done for them for getting the top end talent. The winter, I think what they'll really need to focus on is filling out the roster. And, and like right now, Jaden Nelson is playing center mid because Mark Ante is out. He's not a center, like he's a winger. Um, it, he's been a lot better in central midfield than I thought he was going to be. And that set, that midfield trio of Nelson, Osorio, and Bradley has held up a lot better without Kay than I thought. I thought Kay was one of those players on this team that if he's hurt, they're screwed. And so far, they haven't been. Like, Portland, I was really disappointed. They didn't they didn't bother Toronto at all. Toronto controlled that entire game, and they won 3-1. Nashville did more, but Toronto went, said, you know, screw it. We'll just outscore you. And they won 4-3, so maybe, maybe it won't even matter. I think that teams are going to adjust, or they're going to have better game plans. Um... It's a very busy schedule for Toronto. They're playing midweek tonight, uh, tonight as in Wednesday, as time of recording. It's going to be a lot of games for Bernadeschi, for Insignia, for all these players to kind of handle. So that's going to be a concern with, with what this team being not a deep, but it's going to be fun as hell to keep watching them try to make the playoffs. Um, and that's just good for the league. That, that's good for neutrals. Um, it's good for fans. So Toronto has had a phenomenal winter. Um, just kind of on the horizon, I'd point out, is, you know, Larea's loan ends. I don't know what they're going to need to do to try to bring him back full-time or or what the plan is there. Osorio's out of contract. That's a problem. I'm going to steal Doyle's take. Doyle's wrote, wrote about this extensively. You got Osorio is one of the best players in this league at being the fourth option because he can manipulate, understand space so, so well. He becomes so dangerous when he's 
a little bit overlooked by the defense because they're worried about Insignia and, and Bernadeschi and, and whoever else. So Osorio, if they can kind of keep him, that, that'd be great. But again, I'm sure he's going to have a lot of offers in free agency. They can also still add another DP. You know, there had been talks for Andrea Belotti. I know that's somebody that the team are well aware of. You know, they have Jesus Jimenez up top. But again, it's it's like going back to the LFC thing. Like, these are players that you like. But if there's a move to, say, either get rid of Jimenez or, or you know, put him as like a secondary player to sign somebody like Belotti, again, it's not going to be literally Belotti. But the point is, if they're swinging for the fences like this, like LAFC, they signed Buanga, and you didn't look at that team and say, you know what they need? They need a winger. So Toronto, you don't look at this team and say, you know what they need? They need a center forward. But they have a DP spot, and they have a lot of ambition and a lot of money. So I'm excited to see where that kind of plays out over this winter. Um, and again, even in the interim before then, not to get too far ahead of ourselves, they're must-watch TV. They have to be atop the, the watchability rankings right now just because of the combination of frantic urgency to win games, high-end attacking star talent, trying to play on the front foot under Bob Bradley, and also they struggle defensively. So there should be a lot more 4-3, 3-1, whatever these are. It's going to be a lot of goals, a lot of chances, a lot of fun. Um, yeah, so definitely keep an eye on this team. As for the negative side, um, I'm really disappointed in CF Montreal. They didn't do anything until the deadline day, both incoming and outgoing, and they traded for Shinanso Ulfer from the Chicago Fire. Somehow, for 325000 this was a player who was like fourth string in Chicago. He didn't play very much. And when he played, he did not look very good. I don't know who they were bidding against. I don't know why they were like, I, I, you could talk me into it at like 50,000 or 100,000 occasions. Hey, let's take a flyer. Maybe if we bring this guy in, he can, he can work here. But like, what is the point in adding him to the team that has Kyoto, Toy, Kamara, these different options in attack? Like, offer is just going to be in the same problem he was in Chicago, where he's probably not going to be playing very much. Maybe he comes in as, you know, what he's been really good at in his MLS days is, is aerial duels. Maybe he comes in off the bench. Maybe that's the idea for when Kai Kamara either isn't going 90 minutes or we're scrambling for a goal, go play with Kamara. I don't know. I don't get that at all. But again, not to, you know, pile on to poor Chinoza offer because it's not, <laughs> it's not his problem, not his fault. It's not, it just feels a little mean. My, my, my chief disappointment is that this team is really good. They have two DP spots open. They have an ownership that also owns a Serie A club. They're, they have Georgi Mihailovic in his prime, and who knows how much longer he's going to be here. Why didn't they go out and, and take a couple swings, have some more ambition? The East is wide open behind Philadelphia. The Red Bulls have a ton of problems, and they're in fourth. NYCFC have been bad since Nick Cushing took over and Tati Cassiano's left. Bad. Not like, oh my God, they're struggling a little bit. This is weird. Like, there's enough of a sample size that they're bad right now. Montreal should like had had such an opportunity, and again, they still could end up as the second best team in the East. But they had such an opportunity to capitalize on this to bring in, I don't know, a, a big name center back. They struggle defense, or another a new goalie, or use one of those DP spots on an attacking player. Who cares if if there's a little bit of a logjam? Go for it. You know, I, I'm I'm definitely really upset about that. Like Ismail Kone is is one of the rising talents in the league. He's not going to be here much longer. They had a deal agreed with North City for $6 million, and, and the deal fell through on personal terms. This you got to capitalize on, on the value that you get from a homegrown like that, from Georgi Mihailovic, who's not a DP. Again, who knows how much longer he'll be here. He hasn't looked anywhere near the same guy after he got it, after he got back from injury. But if you have Georgi Mihailovic, and then you add another elite-level tagger, high-level tagger. Like, I know this is cherry-picking and unfair to assume for any team to sign a player like this, but this team would be killer with Nacho Piatti. That'd be awesome. 
And, you know, I know that this is, again, it's one of the best signings in league history, club legend. It, it's unfair to say, oh, why doesn't every team just sign him? But, like, if they, you know, took a swing like that, hey, oh, even uh, tight air. Like, a player like that, that would be wonderful for this team. Victor Wanyama has been very good. His contract's up at the end of the year. Like, this is a team that, like, pretty quickly could be in flux. And if if Mihailovic leaves, if, if Wanyama isn't, isn't re-signed, they have a lot of problems. Um and there was a window here for them to really challenge in the East. Again, anything can happen in the playoffs. All the stupid cliches that you want to hear. Like, Philadelphia are the favorites out East. And then it's everybody else. Like, they are in such a good position to get second place, host everything except for, you know, possibly the conference final if Philadelphia is there. And just give yourself enough high-level talents to make it work. Like, I think that they desperately need a goalkeeper. Maybe that there wasn't a market, but, like, Tyler Miller would have been an upgrade. Even that, like I'm talking about DPs, but even trade for Tyler Miller or something like that. There are, there are goalies to be found. There, there are ways to address these issues, even just at a base level that I think they failed on. But further is that I, the the ambition for this team is it's it's unfortunate. I'm you know, there's maybe there's plans, whatever it is, trying to give benefit of the doubt. I'm sure the team wanted to get better. Any team would sign a Piatti or whatever a Buanga if they could, a Bernadeschi if they could. So I'm not doubting that either they tried, but like, you know, results of business and they just didn't add enough. And it's it's disappointing to see from one of the most fun young teams looking forward to watching them for the rest of the season. But just anytime I tune in, it's like, man, like just one more piece. Like you have the foundation there. Just one more piece. Another team I, I was disappointed in and in terms of, of their kind of overall or, or outlay this summer um, is NYCFC. You know, Tati Gassianos is irreplaceable. He was not a DP. He was simultaneously the league lead the golden boot winner last year and like phenomenal pressing aerially. He does all these things. His, his expected goals was expected assists. Like all the, like he's, he was the best player in the league. You can't replace him. And, I, and I'm not, I'm not faulting them for not directly replacing the best player in the league on a TAM deal, but they didn't sign anybody. And right now, a is the only natural center forward. Talos Magno has been fantastic as a left winger. Like, I don't know why you'd really want to mess with that. He can play through the center, and they have a lot of wingers that need playing time. But, like, Luis Suarez was there. 18-month contract. David Villa was phenomenal for this team. He, I think Suarez is a similar profile, ability, stage of his career, all that. Like, I think that would have been a great signing. I think that would have made a lot of sense. I, I believe that they could, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, somebody, but uh, Maxi Morales is uh, can be bought down, whatever it is, just – bring in somebody to swing for Luis Suarez. Um, and again, even even if that's an unfair kind of criticism, I think that they needed just another center forward. Like Danny Muzovsky would have been a decent trade. Because again, like if, if Hebert doesn't, you know, find the form that he had pre-ACL injury or, or one of his first year of the year, uh, in the league, then you're relying on a winger playing center forward or, you know, somebody, uh, a, a different winger playing center forward if you don't want Talos Magno there. Like, I, I think that there's just a few too many problems. Uh, um, Keaton Parks is hurt. Again, I know that, that's unfortunate. You can't really plan for a blood clot injury, and, and he's somebody that's going to be really, really difficult to replace. But for the club to do nothing this summer was, again, disappointing. Things haven't been great under Nick Cushing, but the, the MLS Cup winning core out of Tati Cassiano is gone. Obviously, Sands is gone. But, like, there are so many players that are still there, and there's still the foundation that, like, they could still be challenging. In the, and, again, they, maybe they figured out. Maybe they do still challenge in the East, but there was room and there was need for more and that didn't come. All right, we're getting up to 40 minutes here. So I'm going to try to be less long winded. I'm going to, you know, tackle a lot more players and moves, but I'm just going to try to do it a little bit more quick hitting here. 
Uh, cause you know, 28 teams, a lot of signings, um, and a retrospective on the transfer window three weeks after it ended, you know, what, uh, what else can you want? Um, another team that I liked what they did, Vancouver Whitecaps, Julian Gressel trade, great value and a great fit in, in their system. And with kind of two aerial dominant would probably be too far, but, but two forwards who, who live and thrive on this kind on Julian Gressel's type of service and Brian White and Lucas Cavallini. I think that was really smart. Alessandro Schof signing a free agent, Austrian international, um, a Bundesliga player. They got relegated. He was out of contract. It's pretty clearly, it's pretty clear to me that Vancouver are targeting these like standout players on clubs that get relegated in Europe, like Ryan Gold, um, Andres Kubas. Again, he was he was playing in the second division for half a season or about full season. But still, it's it's you know these overqualified players, and and maybe you can get them for value, which I did. And again, Kubas has been incredible. Ryan Gold, I still think is very good as well. And Schof, like what their recruitment strategy has been, I, I think certainly deserves a benefit of the doubt. And again, on a free deal, that's very good. Julian Gressel, best right wing back in the league and kind of fits a specific position for them and a specific need. Um, we'll see how that kind of translates to their playing style. It wasn't great the other night. It seems to me that they're always missing players. I know that uh, Canada's COVID testing restrictions are more stringent than America, uh, the United States are, which makes it more difficult for the Canadian teams. So what can you do? It's just, you know, another kind of unfortunate part. But regardless, if they're able to kind of finish the season here with their best 11, I really want to see what that looks like. It seems, though, all season we've been or I've been hoping to see that best 11 for a run of games that just continues to not come because of injuries and all the rest. So, um, yeah, that, that's something to look. But I really like what they did. Another team that I love what they did, Columbus Crew. And, yeah, one signing can do this when, when you hit such a home run. Uh, this team spent big on Cucho Hernandez. I thought that Lucas Elleron was going to be their kind of centerpiece. And, you know, he is a centerpiece. He's, you know, one of the best, you know, most talented players in the league. They spent about $7 million on him. I thought that that kind of money, that that profile, that target, that it was going to be him. And then they would supplement them with, with other DPs. They went out and smashed that and got Cucho Hernandez for about $10.5 million. Columbia International from a relegated Premier League team from Watford. And he's been incredible since he got here. And like... He, he reminds me of Joseph Martinez's first year. And so it's easy because of Joseph and, and Miguel Moron, Miguel Moron, and looking at Cucho and Lucas Arreon, that's kind of the, the obvious and easy thing. They even took their, their celebration. Um, but he also reminds me of Brian Fernandez, who I've talked to people around Portland. They're like, yeah, Brian Fernandez was the most talented player I think we've ever had. And he wasn't there for very long because of off the field issues, contract termination with a failed drug test. Um, he was phenomenal when he was here in, in the brief time. And Cucho looks like that. He's so dynamic. He's so fast. He's direct. He's he's agile. Like all these, so many good things. And, and a fit with Zellerion is great. If Kevin Molino can give them anything resembling what his 2020 playoff run was before another injury, like, man, like this team, like sneaky, I'd probably, I'd be, probably put them ahead of like the Red Bulls and NYCFC in Montreal right now, just because that's how good, that's how good Cucho and, and Lucas Zellerion is like that. They still have enough foundation from the rest of the positions. And like one signing can, really lift your team um i liked what austin did i liked what cincinnati did and again this is more about just like one addition and trying to get the right guy austin have been playing this season really well essentially without their third dp cecilia dominguez played like 250 minutes before he was suspended for um domestic abuse allegations even when he was reinstated they didn't play him they were able to you know, agree a contract termination with him they bring in emiliano rigoni um a winger who played with sebastian dreyusi in russia He's about $4 million. He's playing for Sao Paulo in Brazil. Definitely a little worried that he's played for like nine teams or whatever in his career, but there are a lot of talented teams, a lot of bigger teams, bigger leagues rather, a lot of like 
clearly a very talented player. We'll see how it goes. And they have insurance with Washington Corozo on loan and Ecuador International, another winger. I just really like that Austin reloaded. They didn't stay complacent and they wanted to keep getting better. And look, worst case scenario, they don't get anything from that third DP spot like they already have. And they've already been one of the best teams. And with Cincinnati, they were holding out for Matt Miazga, holding out for a TAM deal for Matt Miazga. His, his group wanted a DP deal. Cincinnati said, look, this is what we can offer and we can't go above it. It went all the way to deadline day. They got the deal done. There's a U.S. international, somebody who came through at MLS. There's MLS um, proven, albeit however many years ago, with the Red Bulls when he broke through before he went to Chelsea. His last loan stint was bad. He was not playing borderline at all for you know the worst team in Spain. But again, that doesn't mean that he's a bad player. Like sometimes moves don't work out. And again, that was like his sixth loan from Chelsea. I think the stability is going to be really good. I think that he'll be a good fit in this in this system. Um, and for Cincy, it's it's just a home run being able to get that on a TAM deal. Um, not using a DP spot. So this team is is looking really encouraging. And this is ahead of schedule. They haven't made as many additions as I think we thought they were going to. And I was super critical of them in the winter. I thought that it wasn't enough. And, you know, very quickly have been wrong. Obi Waboto has been awesome. The front three has been awesome. And again, like, there's going to be more players to add in the winter as, you know, allocation money resets and, and contracts expire. And, and they have... One U22 initial slot open with by trading Gustavo Vicia to the Colorado Rapids. I believe they just opened another. Um, I don't know the, the fine print of this rule off the top of my head of Isaac Atanga is on loan, I believe, to Turkey. I don't know if that opens a spot or not, but they could have two U22 initiative spots open. And for a team that spends so much, I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do with that. And, you know, Chris Albright, I've, I've used this anecdote a hundred times. He's His first interview that I had with him when he took the Cincy job, he was just like, look, like, it's just a fact that there are targets here that I we we couldn't even bother looking at in Philly because the price we like out of our price range and not a disrespect to Philly but like since you are they've proved to be ready to spend at a high high level like Jurgen Lacadia's um, purchase option was ten million they were ready to do that if he played well but he didn't so they didn't so again um, definitely very excited to see what happens there a few more um, this is a very narrow category I don't I don't hate it but it certainly wasn't enough New York Red Bulls. I think um, Kyle Duncan was a really opportunistic and smart signing for them to add him. And I think that the knock-on effect of what he'll provide to this group is, is really good. And hopefully taking away some creativity and some transition moments and as an outlet that, you know, maybe Lewis Morgan doesn't have to and Lucchini they can do more. More good players is always a good thing. The wheels are kind of falling off for this team right now, though. They can't you know, break teams down that sit back. Again, the loss against Orlando, they had 15 shots and, you know, half a goal of expected goals. That means you're just creating a lot of low quality chances against a team that knew that, hey, if we just sit deep, we're going to we're gonna win. And they did. Um, so still concerned about that. They really, really needed another center forward. And, and they, they brought a 20-year-old from Gremio in the um, Brazilian second tier. He could end up being great, but I don't think that was kind of the best route to be going when you're this, they think they needed a more established, even if it was a younger player, somebody a couple years older, somebody with more first team experience. And again, cause it's unfair to ask Elias Manoas to, to be the guy or, Hey, come in and, and fix our scoring problems, come in and fix our creativity problems. So um, again, he could end up being really, really good. I'm not saying he won't be, but I don't think that that was the profile that they really should have been going after. Uh, Charlotte FC, uh, Charlotte FC made some strong moves. They moved on from guys that didn't really fit. Um, look, it was their decision to hire Miguel Ramirez and they obviously didn't go hundred percent on signings, but there is something to be said that they moved on from Miguel Ramirez very quickly. They've moved on from numerous signings that were clearly Miguel Ramirez had his hands on very quickly. And 
there's something to be said for that. They didn't fall victim to the sunk cost policy. They added Nuno Santos, who has a really strong pedigree. Um, he's on a TAM deal. Like I, I like that. They needed a 10. Um, and bec- without using a DP spot, keeps it open for them to make a big swing in the winter. I think it's smart business. The deal is about a million upfront per sources with you know 500,000 in add-ons and a 25% sell-on. Again, no guarantees that he's going to be really great, but you mitigate risk when you bring in, bring somebody on like that as a damn deal. We've seen players like he was on loan from Benfica towards like a mid-table or bottom-table team in Portugal. Ryan Gold was, had, did that, and he came here, and he was really good. Um, he wouldn't be the first player from Portugal from that profile. So I really like that move. Um, I really like Dallas adding Sebastian Lejet. That was exactly what they needed. That deal came together very quickly. Dallas were very, very thrilled internally that, that, they did, that he was even an option and even affordable. They brought him in, and they looked really good against San Jose with Legette as a starter. One game, small sample size, and against not not a very good team. But, hey, all you can do is beat the team that you're playing against. I like what New England did. They, again, Legette wasn't fitting well. They wanted to go back to a 4-2-3-1, added to Jory Schrade. Um, they, early in the window, or before the window opened, Adam Buxa left. They signed Giacomo Veroni. Let's see how that works. Again, their international recruitment has been really, really strong. Give them the benefit of the doubt there. DC United are, are full-blown rebuild. I love Christian Bentagi, and that's all I really wanted to say here. I think that he's going to be awesome. I think he's got a lot left. You know, I think he's going to score a ton of goals. Screw, you can just play. You can play direct. You can cross. Maybe they could have used Julian Gressel, the best crosser in the league, but they traded him to Vancouver. I still think Bentagi will get enough service. He'll I think he'll score goals. Um, LA Galaxy got Ricky Pooch. Thank you to David Goss for explaining to us how to pronounce that. That's a wild signing. I don't know what to make. I think it's, it's really good. It's going to be really good. I don't know if he fixes their problems, but hell yeah, you take that. That's a really big swing. And again, another TAM deal for a player from Barcelona, rising rising talent from the Barcelona Academy. Didn't quite work out in Barcelona. I'm really excited to see what he looks like here. It's going to be fun. Um, I don't know, again, if that fixes what's wrong with them. Um, they kind of steady the ship with a big win against Vancouver. So um, we'll see. And Pooch should, should debut soon. All right, I've talked too much. I'm sick of my own voice. Um, Thank you all for listening. If you made it this long to my coherent and sometimes incoherent ramblings, hopefully next week I'll plan better and have a co-host. But hey, no promises. We'll see. It's it's a a mixed bag. I think that's part of the fun for you, right? You you don't know what's going to happen, except for the previews, except for the uh, info. But hey, who knows? Maybe you'll see you next week. Maybe there'll be a co-host. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.